Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Hey, good morning, LifePoint family. So glad that you've joined us today. I'm excited to be able to share with you this morning. You know, during this season of shelter in place, we're all trying to find ways to, to kind of break up our normal routine. We're looking for ways to get a change of scenery, maybe even get out of the house a little bit, find evidence of life outside our four walls. Now, normally, right, pre-virus and all this stuff going on, we would try to get our kids out of the house by taking them to the parks uh, around in our neighborhood and just allowing them to kind of burn off some energy, but all of the parks are now closed. Or we would say, hey guys, let's go run a few errands all together and kind of make it a family trip, or I would grab a few of the kids and we'd roll out together and try to get a few things done. But obviously, running errands with kids is probably not the ideal activity going uh, in this particular season. And so, like many of you, I'm sure, we have relied heavily on taking family walks and family bike rides. Now, whenever we go for a bike ride, Aaron and the girls, they each get on their bike and they're cruising, right? And I typically will ride my bike by, and, and pull the boys in our trailer, Ruben and Miles. And typically, it's not a big deal, right? There's a little extra weight and things, but it's not that much uh, harder. It doesn't really require that much extra effort. Well... Last Saturday, if you remember here in Elk Grove, it was a pretty windy day as we were going on our bike ride, and, and it really didn't have any effect or impact on the girls. In fact, Erin was still doing some of her exercises that she had learned from her cycling classes, and so she's over there just kind of doing her own thing and killing it. And let me tell you, though, I was out there working. This was not just a leisurely ride. I was grinding it out. Now, granted, Miles, he's only eight months old, but that boy is just shy of 25 pounds. And then you throw Reuben into the mix, and now I'm pulling about 60 pounds of dead weight behind my bike. And in addition to the dead weight that I got pulling behind me with the boys, you know, got their feet up, sipping their iced teas, now I'm riding my bike into this strong headwind. And in case you've never had the privilege of pulling one of those bike trailers, let me tell you, they're not the most aerodynamic in their design. It feels like you're pulling this giant parachute that is strapped to your back. The wind resistance is ridiculous. And so this leisurely bike ride we were supposed to have has now turned into resistance training, like I'm going after the Tour de France and trying to figure out how I'm going to climb my way up all of these mountains. And then we come across the occasional hill. Thank the Lord that Elk Grove is pretty much flat everywhere you go. But those minor hills that we encountered looked like huge mountains to me as I had this weight behind me, the wind coming at me. And so now I'm exerting this extra effort just to keep up with my five-year-old on a two-wheel bike. Needless to say, I was sweating profusely and I had definitely gotten my workout in for the day. Now, certainly it would have been much easier for me just to kind of say, hey, I need to stop. I need to take a break. I could have waited for the wind to die down and then resume our ride. And had I done that, certainly it would have been easier. However, we chose to press on. And so when it got tough, I stood up on my bike, 
pedaled harder and did my best to grind it out. Certainly our pace slowed a little bit, but we still made progress. I'm sure there are many other parents or even grandparents out there who know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, for the past few weeks, we've been in this series called Stuck, and we've been asking the question, how do I act or how do I react when I'm stuck in my circumstances? Now, to find out how we should respond when we're stuck, we've been taking a closer look at the, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in the city of Philippi. And when Paul wrote this letter, he too was stuck. He was sitting in a Roman prison. And as Pastor Chris pointed out, Paul's response and the joy that he had despite his circumstances, despite the fact that he was stuck, it it draws us in. And so we want to learn from him as we deal with the moments in our lives when we're stuck as well. Whether it's stuck in a relationship, stuck in our finances, stuck uh, without a job, stuck in our circumstances or a schedule or routine or just simply being stuck at home. And so this morning though, as we close this series, we're going to look at one final way that we should respond whenever we find ourselves stuck in our circumstances. And I'm excited to share with you this morning because I believe today's message is, is going to give us insight from God's words through Paul's actions and, and the words that he shares with us, that Paul shares through this letter that's going to carry us through this season that we're living in, no matter how long it goes. And it also can carry us through whatever season in the future that we find ourselves stuck. And so I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles or navigate in your Bible app to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to start by reading uh, Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 16. Excuse me. (laughs) 12 through 16. So let me read these verses for us. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." All of you who are mature should take on such a view, or should, should uh, take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. And so, based on these verses, what should our response be when we are stuck? What should our response be? And maybe it jumps out at you already. Quick hint, it's two words. And so if you already think you know those two words of how we should respond when we're stuck, man, go ahead and write them in the chat. If you're not so sure just yet, let me give you a few more hints. It's two words that he repeats twice in these five verses, specifically verses 12 and 14. And so maybe that'll help you out. Maybe you can see those words jump out at you. But the phrase that we're looking for is press on. 
Press on. From this passage, we learn that we should press on when we are stuck in our circumstances. In other words, when we're stuck, Paul is calling us to make progress, to move forward, to keep going. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I find myself to be stuck in a situation, whatever that looks like, and someone tells me to, hey, just press on. Man, that, that frustrates me. I even find that to be a little annoying because it sounds like the advice that they're giving me is, is more like a platitude than true advice that I can take and apply to my life. And not only that, it sounds like the person who's giving me that instruction is really out of touch with my situation or my realities. They don't really know what I'm going through. And so our response might be, yeah, I would like to make progress. I would like to press on, but I'm stuck right here. My feet are in cement. I can't go anywhere. For many of us, this picture, or this is the picture that you're going to see on your screen of what life looks like right now. Medically, metaphorically speaking, of course, right? You got a few things going on that you're trying to juggle. Your hands are full. You might even feel like uh, these things that you have going on in your life are limiting your progress. You're facing some things that make you feel stuck where you are. Quick side note, kids, uh, just know that daddy loves you so much and that you are not a burden. I just needed your help to make a point. I love you all. All right, now that we have that point out of the way, let's be real, right? Let's be real. This is a very difficult, challenging, overwhelming, stressful, even painful season. This has been hard. The struggle is real. And I don't want to minimize that. In fact, I want to acknowledge that. There are very real burdens and things that are weighing us down. For many of you, your plate has never been more full. Things continue to be heaped onto your plate as you try to navigate life in this season. For so many others of us, we've had to take on new realities and, and different skill sets, navigating new territories. You've had to homeschool your kids, run a business remotely, figure out how it's going to work for you to work from home. You, you've had to uh, try to make ends meet with no job, learn a new skill, figure out new forms of technology. And to all the moms out there, that picture, there's no metaphor required. That is your life. Your hands are full. You got kids crawling all over you. You're providing food and snacks at all times of day. You're trying to educate your children. You're breaking up fights. You have so many different things going on and you barely have any time, if any at all, to accomplish the things on your own to-do lists. And now while we have all of that going on in this season of our lives, we're being told to press on. And I can't help but ask the question, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to do that? Everything has stopped. Everything has been canceled. Everything's been put on hold. And we don't know when it's all going to end. And so how am I supposed to press on and make progress when I'm stuck. 
before we dismiss Paul as being unrealistic or out of touch, we've got to remember his context. See, Paul is writing these words of of Philippians chapter 3 and really the entire letter from a Roman prison cell. He is stuck. In fact, I'm willing to bet that he's more stuck than you and I are right now. And so if that's his reality, if that's his situation, how is he able to say, I press on or I make progress? He physically can't go anywhere. And so how is he able to say that? What is he talking about? And while I'm sure that Paul doesn't love the fact that he's physically stuck in prison, it's important for you and I to understand that his purpose in pressing on isn't to get out of prison. His purpose in pressing on isn't to gain his freedom. In other words, his purpose in making progress is not to get unstuck. And I think that we we would typically assume that to be the case. But Paul has a very different goal and destination in mind. And he reveals that to us in this particular passage. Allow me to reread Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. He writes, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. And so we have to ask ourselves this question that as we study this passage, what is this goal? What is this prize that Paul is trying to reach? You see, the the goal, the prize that he's trying to reach is eternal life. Life with God in heaven. Now to be clear, that's not to say that you can earn your salvation or earn your way to heaven. Scripture is very clear that salvation comes by grace through faith alone. Even Paul probably wrote the most clear explanation of that specific point in his letter to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You see, one commentator writes, the effort of pressing on that Paul is describing here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, is is not expended in working for his salvation, but in working out his salvation, in living out the implications of Christ's intervention in his life. And hopefully you're able to see the difference here. And I think Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, uh, just a couple of verses down, it helped to bring further clarity of what he's talking about. He writes this, Only let us live up to what we have already attained. You see, the moment you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus for our salvation, God sees us through the lens of, of Jesus. And because Jesus is holy and righteous and perfect and just, that is how God sees us. This is the status that we've attained before him, not because of anything you and I have done, but because Jesus and who he is has stepped in front of us and we've been able to take on his form as God sees us through the lens of Jesus. 
And so we've attained this status of holiness and righteousness before God. However, you and I both know that we're not spiritually perfect right now. Yes, we have gained God's full acceptance because of Jesus, but we don't yet live out the full measure of Christ's goodness in our lives. We still sin. We still mess up. And Paul acknowledges this very thing in verse 12 of chapter 3. He says, I'm not perfect and neither are we. We're still broken. We're still greedy. We still wrestle with various sin in our lives, being selfish and being envious, being impatient, unkind, unloving at times. We're all a work in progress. The work in us has yet to be completed. And one day we will get there. One day we will be spiritually complete, but not yet. And that's why Paul is able to write in verse, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day, until the day of Christ Jesus. And so, until that day when we see Jesus face to face, and, and we know that our work, the work in us is complete, and we're truly spiritually perfect. What should we do? What should we do? Well, see, this particular passage in Philippians chapter 3, it answers that question for us. We're called to press on. We're called to make progress towards spiritual maturity and growth in godliness. In other words, to the best of our ability with God's help every step of the way. We're called to live out our future status of spiritual completeness or spiritual perfection. And that is what Paul is striving for even as he sits in a prison cell. And that is the same exact prize that we're to strive for as well, whether we're feeling stuck or not. I believe that this message is applicable to our lives in, in any season. However, I feel that it's especially important in those times when we're feeling stuck for such a time as this. When we're stuck, whether that's physically, financially, relationally, whatever the case may be. And it's such an important message right now because when we're stuck, our tendency is to stop. Our tendency is to hit pause, to put things on hold. Or to take a break. Going back to that story I shared with you about our family bike ride, I told you it would have been easier for us to stop. It would have been easier for us to wait for the wind to die down before we went on. It would have been easier, and hear this, it would have been easier if I had waited for my circumstances to change rather than press on. And that is the temptation before us. Every time we feel stuck, we can't go where we want to go. We can't do what we want to do. And we feel like all the progress that we've been making has been halted and there, there's nothing that we can do about it. And so we stop. So you and I both know that it's, it's so much easier to press on when things are going well. It would have been easy for Paul to write these words in, in Philippians if, if he was sitting on his couch and not in a jail cell. 
But we need this message right now when we're feeling stuck because our spiritual maturity and our growth in godliness are meant to be this ongoing pursuit no matter what's going on in our lives. And so my question for all of us is this. Have you put your faith on hold? Have you hit pause on your spiritual life? Have you said to yourself, I'll get back to my faith when things get back to normal. I'll get back to my faith when things are a little bit more convenient. When my circumstances have changed. Whether you've been asking those questions or not, let me remind you of the words in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He writes, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness as long as we're not stuck in our circumstances. No, that's not what it says, right? Let's try that again. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Hear me on this. We have everything we need right now. Whether you feel stuck or not, whether you feel like I can't get out of the house, I don't know what to do next, I don't know where to go, whatever we're going through, we have what we need right now. Even when we're stuck, we can press on and make progress toward becoming more and more and more like Jesus. You see, church, there is no reason for us to put our faith on hold because in every situation, in every circumstance, God has given us exactly what we need. And so you may be stuck in your circumstances, just like Paul was, but his instruction to us doesn't change. Press on. My hope and prayer is that all of us have a desire to make progress in our relationship with God. And if that's you, maybe you're wondering, well, okay, how do I press on then? Or what does that even look like? And there's so much that could be said here. We could do a whole series on it. And there's so many different passages that we could reference that provide us with a, a picture of what it looks like to press on. But in the limited time that we have this morning, we'll go back to 2 Peter chapter 1 and look at verses 5 through 8. And so allow me to read these verses for us. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 8. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that I want to highlight from this passage is that Peter tells us to make every effort. You see, this is going to require time and energy and hard work. Growth in godliness or, or pressing on towards spiritual maturity, it doesn't just automatically happen. And as we try to determine what it looks like for us to press on, we need to have that proper expectation in mind. It's going to require something of us. Peter goes on to provide us with a list of qualities or characteristics that we can strive for. 
And he says, by having them in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive followers of Jesus. And so my question for us is this. What steps can you take to add godliness to the faith that you already possess? What steps can you take to grow in your knowledge of God and his word? What steps can you take to grow in your ability to persevere? How can you grow in godliness and kindness and love? Here's what I want you to do. Sometime within the next 24 hours, ideally some point today, because we all know that the, the week gets going and things get crazy. And so as soon as you can, choose one, just one. Choose one of the qualities that Peter lists in this passage and come up with some practical steps that you can take on how to grow in this area. And then once you've created that list, take a step. Take the next step. Again, I realize this may be what your life looks like in this season. Your plate is full. You're juggling a lot. You're not going anywhere fast. But that's okay. Press on. Do what you can do. Take the next step, even if it's a baby step. And I guarantee you won't regret the time and energy you put in to growing in your relationship with God. Last Sunday, Aaron and I finished watching The Last Dance, a 10-part documentary on Michael Jordan's final season with the Chicago Bulls. And, and really, the documentary covered the majority of his career. Talk about a guy who pressed on. No matter what obstacle he faced, he was determined to overcome it. For a while, that obstacle came in the form of the Detroit Pistons. And for three straight years, the Bulls got bounced from the playoffs by the Pistons until they finally broke through. And it was hard. The team was stuck. But they pressed on. And when things got difficult, Jordan could have held a nationally televised broadcast announcing his decision to go play for another team with other superstars. But he didn't. He pressed on. And as a result, ultimately the Bulls won six championships in the 90s. And Jordan was part of the greatest team of all time. The 1995-96 Chicago Bulls who had a record of 72-10 and 10 and won the NBA championship because it don't mean a thing without a ring. You know what I'm talking about, Warriors fans. See, whether or not you're a fan of MJ, there's a lot to be admired about his drive. He continually pressed on. He showed grit, determination, and perseverance. And these are valuable qualities that we should all work to develop, certainly. However, while his drive led to him accomplish, accomplishing goals and receiving all kinds of accolades, I can't help but ask the question, for what purpose? For what purpose? You see, all of those things that MJ achieved, that he pressed on to achieve, the accomplishments, accolades, the praise of men, it'll eventually fade away. And at the end of the day, those things don't have lasting significance. 
Thankfully, that's not the case for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus. And we can be confident that our effort to press on and grow in godliness will have eternal significance. We can know, as Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, that we will receive a rich welcome into the kingdom, uh, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now that's something worth chasing after. I know there are people watching this morning who have been pressing on. They've been grinding it out, and like Jordan, their effort and their grit and determination has allowed them to be successful. However, something is still missing. Because like Jordan, all they have achieved doesn't have lasting or eternal significance. Maybe the person I'm describing is you. Well, it's important for you to know that it it doesn't have to stay that way. All of that can change today. You can press on for something that has eternal significance that will last forever. And it all begins by putting your faith and trust in Jesus for your salvation. And if that's a decision you have yet to make, I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. It is the most important decision you'll ever make, and it is the best decision you'll ever make. You'll still have to grind it out, but it will be for something that matters. And if that's something that you want to do this morning, putting your faith and trust in Jesus for your salvation, then in just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer that you can simply repeat after me. And it's not about the exact words that I say, but more so that you, you mean it in your heart. And so if you want to live with eternal significance, pray this with me. God, I no longer want to chase after the things of this world. I want to chase after you. Please forgive me for not making you my top priority. And right now I give my heart and my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins so that I can have life. Help me to live in a way that is pleasing to you. God, I am yours. Amen. And if that's a decision you made for the very first time today, we want to celebrate that with you. We want to be able to help you take those next steps to grow in your relationship with God. And so I would encourage you to text the word LP decision to 94000. That's going to allow us to follow up with you and, and help you take those next steps. And for all of you who already have put your faith and trust in Jesus for your salvation, the message remains the same. Press on. Take the next step. Let's make the most of this season by striving to become more like Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you, God. We are so dependent on you for everything in our lives. But as Peter said, you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. Help us to take advantage of this season that we might become more and more like Jesus. God, may that be for your glory and for your honor. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.